Open your Bibles now to the book of Deuteronomy. We're talking about thriving today. Everyone say thriving. And Lord, as we study your word, we just need your help. If you don't speak to us, if you don't speak to every heart, then Lord, uh, it's kind of a wasted time. So open us to your plan for our lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. We're talking about being created or made made to thrive. And we're in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is what number book in the Bible? Does anybody know? What, sir? Number five. That is true. Deuteronomy is actually three sermons. It's kind of the last ministry of Moses. And he's got a whole new generation of people coming along. And so he explains the counsel of God given so far in Deuteronomy in three messages. Now, in chapter 6, I want to cover a couple of verses starting at verse number 10. Everybody found it? Hold your Bible up. You got a Bible? Let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see it. Awesome. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you from the land which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which they did not build and houses full of all good things which you did not fill and hewn cisterns which you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. By the way, that's a pretty sweet deal. Ready, made, farm and ranch. And then you eat and you are satisfied. Then watch yourself. Everyone say, watch yourself that you do not forget. See, our problem is we are good forgetters. We forget the truth that you forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of what does your Bible say? Slavery or bondage. Okay, flip over two chapters to chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 15. He led you through, everyone say through, the great and terrible wilderness with fiery serpents. Fiery serpents are those in Vietnam, those three steppers. You get bit by a viper on the ankle, you're dead in three steps. That's called a fiery serpent. And scorpions, and thirsty ground where there was no water, he brought water to you out of the rock of Flint. In that wilderness or desert, he led you, he fed you manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you Humility is the greatest trait in the eyes of God. It means you understand you're not God and you're not full of yourself. That he might humble you, that he might test you. Everyone everyone say test you to do good to you throughout or at the end of your life. Okay, this is the last Sunday in the year. And your little pastor wants to uh, confess some of the things I was struggling with two weeks ago. 
And by the way, has this been a hard season for you this year? Has it been different? It has been a challenge for me. Has your hope taken a hit because of all the things we've gone through? Uh, This has been one of my most challenging years for a lot of reasons. But some of the things all of us in this room have been through And we just need to talk about it. Healthy families, talk about stuff. Things that we've seen, things that we've heard, and things that we have felt. And I want to say as your big brother, one of the fathers in your faith, I am sorry for some of the pain you've been through this past year. And I'm right with you. I've been through it too. Now, let me just put some of this on the table. If I make you mad, if I frustrate you, it's okay. I'll I'll get over it. You'll get over it in a couple years, I'm sure. We've all been through what has been called a global pandemic. We've all been through it. Everybody's been through it. We are still in it. We've had this deal of wearing masks. I don't normally wear a mask unless I'm around people. I just got to do that. Sometimes like in this church, I wear masks because I don't want to creep out new people. Okay. Uh, And social distancing, which as an extrovert that loves people, I hate that. I absolutely hate that, but you got to do it some places. Quarantines. Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, your pastor came down with COVID and your pastor's wife did too. She spent about a week in the hospital. She was very, very, very sick. And we got quarantined even after she got out. You know, we were told stay in the house for 10, 14 days. And some of the things that you struggle with, I've struggled with it too. Can't see some of your loved ones. I've got grandparents who have broken hearts because they've not seen a grandchild that they kept every week. They've not seen that child for 10 months. I've got friends that got a son in jail and they went to see that boy every week and they can't see him now. I've had friends in this church that have lost their spouses to illnesses and they stayed 24 hours in a car at Central Baptist because they couldn't even go in and see their spouse of 50 years. It's hard. This has been a challenging time. And uh, I think, you know, this year took a hit on me for a lot of reasons. But one of them, I lost some good friends the last two years. And I didn't realize that some of my buddies that I've been close to for 20 years, when I do their funeral, it takes something out of me. I'm still weepy about some of the guys that I lost. And, you know, in some of the funerals I did at Camp Nelson, uh, to be there with the widow, with the military people telling us, you can't even get out of the car. I go, what? You, if you get out of the car, we could use, we could lose our national license here. So it's just been, it's been a challenging time. This issue of isolation has eaten on children, people of all ages. It has been tough. It has been tough. It's been tough on our church family. You know, we've got more people watching online 
that actually then were coming in attendance. And I get that. We've been told you got a shelter in place. I've tried to tell my staff. I've tried to remember myself. Everybody is not normal. They get angry quicker. They are more frustrated. And these holidays we've been through, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it makes it so much harder. When you got family that say they're coming and they've come every year and all of a sudden the day before they tell you they're not coming. By the way, with holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, there's an expectation of like a Norman Rockwell painting, everybody having a good time playing board games. And when nobody can come, people get angry. People get offended. People get their feelings hurt. People say things they shouldn't say. And I think it's every family that I know of. And how can you imagine doing online school? I'm glad you guys are doing it, not me. And restricted travel. Borders closed. I'm usually out of the country several times a year, been nowhere. My friends that do mission work have not gone anywhere. Trips are on hold. We're talking about shutdown economies, people losing their jobs. We're talking about government overreach that have ticked a bunch of us off. I get that. I get that. And I'm just telling you, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just telling you what people have experienced, what they're feeling. Business is shut down. I've got friends in the restaurant business losing their businesses, closing their business. Gyms being closed, anger in the streets. I've never seen so much. I mean, I, I was Vietnam age. The anger we've had this year, the politics that have been so divided and polarized and everybody's a demon on the other side, really hard, difficult elections. And we've been through something I knew nothing about till this year, cancel culture, which means you can't speak because if you say something, I'll get mad at you. It's been horrible. Canceled events. Uh, canceled anniversaries. My wife and I hit 40 years in June. And old Steve-O, thank you very much. Applaud her. I've been the drag. Okay. Uh, I married a good woman. But we were going to the Caribbean. I'd planned this a long time. Bought the tickets. Made the reservation. And we didn't go. I go, honey, I'll make it up to you. How about Wendy's to drive through and get any one of three things that you want? I'll pay for it. 40 years, you're, you're worth it, babe. Canceled birthday parties, canceled picnics, canceled church services. You know what? We were one of the first churches that opened up May 24th. And my staff, your staff deserves an A plus because they navigated. It was the craziest thing Every single stinking week, it was different. It was like a moving target. We'd never done it before. You know what? I've got friends that are pastors that still, their churches are still not meeting. Limited ministries, we're worshiping differently. People, more and more people are watching from home. The uncertainty of times, confusion that people have, the deer in the headlights look, Here's the biggest one so far. Are you ready? Fear. Demonic presence of fear. 
every home, every company, every church, every establishment, it is thicker. You can cut it with a knife. It's so thick. And then, see, I'm not, fear has not touched me so much, but this one has touched me. This one has messed with me, and that is anger. How many have been angry? Hold your hand up. I've been angry. I've been angry. I stayed up at night being angry about stuff. I have been. Uh, I'm, I'm, never, I'm not an angry person, but I've been angry. And I have to be careful and not let anger slip into bitterness. Bitterness is like cancer of the soul. And here's a big one, feelings, the loss of control. My life was orderly. Now I can't control a very single thing. Now when you lose control, you slip into this. What is it? Depression. Because you're uncertain, you don't know how it's going to work. So here, here's my point. You say, Steve, you really have a way of uplifting me. Like getting poked in the eye with an ice pick. Great. Well, we need to talk about it. If you don't recognize it, you will be a victim to it. And I'm not asking you to like it. I'm not telling you you need to agree. I'm just telling you this is what some of us have been through. Now, see this guy right here? Everybody see him? I'm going to go with him. I'm going with this guy. Here's what he said, his last week on the planet. Say it with me, please. Let not your heart be troubled. And this is why. Believe in God and believe also in me. He's got this. This is going to turn out for good. We're going to be better on the other side of it. Now, this is the pre-sermon. Are you ready for the sermon? Whether you like it or not, whether you recognize it or not, this year has changed you. You just need to recognize it. It's changed me. I want it to be for the better, not for the worse. To be honest, you got to recognize stuff that's going on in your head. Stuff that's going on in your heart. If you don't recognize what's going on in your head and your heart, you could find yourself in trouble. Christians that have walked with Jesus, I've walked with him for 48 years. It has messed with me. And I think I'm a combination of John Wayne and the Apostle Paul and Chuck Norris. But it has messed with me. I found myself getting sadder. I found myself getting depleted. I found myself discouraged. I found myself wanting to give up on some stuff that I held dear last year. And I knew it wasn't the Holy Spirit. And so all of us in this room, we're going to be in one of three categories during this season. I want to prepare you for next year. Like what? So we've all been in one of three categories. We've been in a failure mode. What's a failure mode? You're just not doing good. And you may not have even recognized you're not doing good. Second mode or category is survival, like this guy treading water. What do you mean treading water? All he can do is get his nose and mouth above the water. He's hanging on desperately. He's not moving forward. He's not moving backward. He is trapped. He can't do anything more. And my guess is I've, I've kind of been like this on some days. 
And maybe you're like this today. I'm just trying to get through the week. I'm trying to get through this holiday. I hate it. I'm trying to get through it. But here's where we need to go. And we'll talk more about this later on. I'm talking about a thriving mode. Everyone say thriving mode. What is thriving? Means you're growing. You're getting better. You're getting stronger. You're actually flourishing in a time of drought. That's the goal that God's spirit has for us. Now, talked about three modes. Now I want to talk about three places. What do you mean three places? Well, these are in what we just read in the scripture in Deuteronomy. What are the three places? The three places are, A, you're either trapped in Egypt. By the way, that's not good. It's a foreign country. It's a hard country, foreign gods, slavery and bondage. And my admonition is you do not under any circumstances want to stay where you don't belong. If you don't belong there, you don't need to stay there because Egypt will rot you from the inside. It will destroy you. So don't stay in Egypt. By the way, they stayed, the Jews stayed 400 years. And every time when they were in this desert, they were there for 40 years, shouldn't have been 40 years when things got really dicey, they would whine and complain and they always pointed back to Egypt. Oh, when we were in Egypt, because you know what happens when you are stuck, when you're not moving forward, When you're in crisis, when you're not doing well, the temptation is to go back, everyone say go back, to what you used to know and what you used to do and maybe who you used to be with. Don't go back to Egypt. There's nothing worthwhile there. You don't need to be repeating your same dumb mistakes. How many made dumb mistakes? Hold your hand up. Anybody got two hands, two hands and two legs? There you go. You know, a genius is someone that does a dumb thing one time and they go, I'll never do that again. But a lot of us are repeat offenders. We just keep going back to that same old trough. Don't go back to abusive relationships. They're only going to hurt you and they're going to use you. There's nothing in Egypt for you. Don't go back to addiction. When you're not doing good, you go back to a crutch. You go back something to just help you get through the week. And by the way, here, here's the worst one. Don't go back to the old you. The old you right here is pretty rotten, pretty selfish, pretty arrogant, uh, a user. Don't you go back to that same person you used to be. By the way, did you, were you a pretty bad person at some point in time? Someone say amen. There you go. By the way, there's no freedom in Egypt. There's only one thing. It's called chains. They take the chains off and you go to work. They put the chains on when you go to bed and you're chained and you're not leaving. That's what's in Egypt. Don't go back to Egypt. B, the second place is you're stuck. Well, stuck where? I'm stuck in the desert. They were stuck for 40 years. Now, the challenge about the desert is once you, 
You're designed to go through it. You're designed not to stay in it. If you get comfortable in the desert, it gets tougher and tougher to get out of the desert. By the way, you don't belong in Egypt and you don't belong in the desert either. It's not your home. It's just a highway you need to go through. And if the Lord has told you to do something, halfway obedience is still disobedience. Now look on the map on the screen. See the map? Do you see Egypt? Lettered in blue. I was in Egypt last, uh, literally last October. Okay, Egypt in blue, bottom left. So you see some of the things, Mount Sinai, Jericho, 12 spies, the quail, manna. Now you see where Canaan is, top right, see Canaan? By the way, you know how long for a guy that's even had knee surgery, doesn't walk so good, it would, I could get there in six weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. You know how long it took them? 40 years. Why? They were stuck. Whatever you do, once you realize you're stuck, don't get used to it. (laughs) Don't get used to it. Don't settle for it. Can I tell you, uh, do I have many people in here under age 20? If you're under age 20, hold your hand up. You guys, if you pay attention, you will benefit more than people my age. Most people in life settle for far less. Don't settle for anything but God's best. Today, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you miserable? Can't move, can't go backward, can't go forward. Well, what do I do? Here's the question. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. You're not going to get free of addiction. Your marriage is not going to get better. You're not going to learn to pray. You're not going to do well in the business world until you decide, I will make a change. I'm not living this way anymore. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. And the the trick is, you have to look further than the desert. You have to see far ahead. That's why I love the new year. It's a new time for me to look into the promised land and see what God has for me. And then, if you want to get unstuck, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Okay, are you with me so far? Yes, are you with me so far? Now the third, the third place is where you and I belong. It's called thriving. Everyone say thriving. And it's thriving in the promised land. This is a metaphor. The promised land, it's not perfect there either. I mean, there's problems and disappointments and relationship issues, but it's your destiny. The promised land is your destiny. It's why you were created to live in the promised land. 
And the goal, the center of what we're pulling from Scripture today is this word thrive. We want to thrive. We want to flourish. We want to grow. We want to be stronger next year than we have been in this troubled year. So to be healthier, what do you mean? You know, I got a 20-inch waist and an 80-inch chest. No, that would be opposite for me. 80-inch waist and a 20-inch chest. It's inside and out. It's soul, mind, and body. And the issue is just not for your success. It's so you can be used of the Lord, your destiny, to serve other people. Life is not about you. And as soon as you figure that out, you'll be far happier. Life is not about now. It's about 20 years from now. So... We are designed as his children to live in the promised land. That's the Sea of Galilee right there. Because not only do you want to thrive, you want your people to thrive. So as God blesses you, do you know why God wants to bless you? Just so you can be blessed? No. It's so you and I can be a blessing to other people. It's your destiny. Over and over, God talked to the Jews about their inheritance. Their inheritance was the promised land. It was the relationship. Okay, you tracking with me so far? Let's talk about the mindset of survivors, of people just trapped in the desert. First, I want to say, most people don't die in the promised land, and most people don't die in Egypt. You know where most people die? They die in the desert. Why would you say that? Because that's what happened to the Jews. Six-week walk becomes a 40-year death trap. Well, how bad was the death trap? Well, I'll tell you in just a minute. Now, you're in the desert. You've got an obstacle. The obstacle is a hump, but it's not 6,000 feet foot Mount Sinai. The Mount Sinai hump is in your head. You have to think differently, believe differently. Because if you stay, it's going to get easier. You're going to be just like your parents. And you're going to be just just like your grandparents and just like your friends who are not walking with God. Because it gets easier and easier to just be dysfunctional. And then it gets harder to move forward. And so what happened in Exodus and Numbers... A whole generation of people died there. Like, what are we talking about? Well, they died unnecessarily. It was 40 years. Now, uh, the scripture doesn't say, but they mobilized 600,000 young men to fight. And if there's 600,000 young men, wives, children, older folks, aunts and uncles, let's say it was Four million people of one generation that died over 40 years. I figured up four million 
365 days, 40 years, it's 274 funerals a day. Man, that is a I got two or three this week. That's a lot in a day. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's plan. And frankly, it bothered him. It ticked him off. It displeased him. Why? You could imagine if for your Thanksgiving dinner, you had family of 20 people that were coming over and you had all the food prepared. You had your house fixed up. And then the night before, every one of them said, oh, by the way, we're going to a ball game or we're fishing or we're not coming. And nobody showed. What happens with survivors, they gradually just accept the desert. They don't like the fleas. The sand still burns their feet and messes with their eyes, but they gradually accept it and it becomes their permanent home. And they get accustomed to things. Like what? Drinking water out of the rock. Moses several times either spoke to the rock when they were dying of thirst or tapped the rock and they got water. But that wasn't what God really wanted. And they got manna, this bread-like substance on the ground that they would collect. It's kind of like little oatmeal flakes. And uh, by the way, could you eat oatmeal for 40 years? No sugar, no raisins, no strawberries. The water and the manna was to only sustain them for six weeks so they could get to the promised land. What was there? Moses described it, a land, lots of water, beautiful valleys, mountains, copper to dig, bronze they could make, iron ore, But it was a land of milk and honey. What's milk and honey mean? Well, milk means it's perfectly fertile for livestock. Your herds would grow in abundance. And honey means honeybees would pollinate your crops for you. So you would have abundant crops. It's a wonderful place. But... If you're in survivor mode, you can't see it because you lost your vision and you lost your hope. By the way, you lose your hope, you're dead in the water. You don't know what God said about stuff, you're dead in the water. Or you forgot what God said, you are dead in the water. You are stuck in the desert because when a person loses hope, By the way, see where this young man's eyes are? What's he looking at? Himself and his shoes. When you lose hope, it's impossible to see what God wants you to see. Because you're looking in the wrong place. Hope is important. Why is hope important, Steve? Because hope allows you to see forward where you can be. Romans 3 says this, hope does not disappoint because of the love of God 
that gets poured out in your heart and in the hearts of people around you. Now, there's somebody that doesn't want you to have hope. He wants you in Egypt or at least in the desert. And it's the enemy of your soul, your adversary, who is a real super being. And the scripture says he lies to all of us. I think some of the funk I've been in for 10 months or so, it was lie-based. I was looking at myself and looking at my shoes. By the way, he is the father of lies. We get stuck as survivors in the desert because we listen to the lies. And the lies cause us to focus on what is wrong, what we lost, and who hurt us, and what my dad did to me, and what my ex-wife did to me, and what happened in that church, and what happened with my business partner. All that stuff the devil wants us to focus on, to focus on what didn't happen, and that causes us to be bitter, angry, and sour. Now, see the word prolonged? Everyone say prolonged with me. Prolonged fear, prolonged worry, prolonged anger, prolonged discouragement, prolonged frustration, prolonged grief. Hey, we've all lost people. Prolonged lust, prolonged pride. By the way, the enemy of our souls is like an archer. He shoots fiery darts at us. If it's prolonged, it means they lodged in our heart. To be fearful for a day or a week, get over it. At some point in time in grief, you have to move forward. So what happens is these things and 20 other evil eras, I call them journey busters. One of them can get me stuck in the desert. And if I'm stuck in the desert, I'm no good to anybody and I'm not moving forward. They get into our hearts, they're, they're stuck there. Well, how do I get them unstuck? First thing to do is recognize you got it. Second thing is to say, no, I'm not going to stay angry. I'm going to forgive. No, I'm not going to live in discouragement. I'm going to live in hope. No, I'm not going to live in anxiety. I'm going to live in praise and worship. It is a choice. Okay, now let's switch gears for just a moment. Okay. To get to a promised land mentality, they have a mindset too. What's the mindset? The mindset is people that get to the promised land understand that God is a God of process. What what do you mean process? It means he has a plan and he's working his plan and he wants you to be a part of the plan. That's process. Are you with me? I also call the process a journey. It is a walk with Jesus. It's not just a destination of heaven. It is a journey. And let me tell you what, the process, 
The road is the path to get to the promised land. The process is just as important or more important than the location where I'm going. If I bail out of the process, I'll never get there. So what I need to do, the frustration in my life and in my family, I need to embrace it. I need to deal with the loss because I either can let it destroy me or I can let it build me. It's my choice. It is my choice. Because the building process will get me ready for what he's got for me next. I'm hoping you're paying attention. The issue is not ever where you are. The issue is where you are going. About three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, the Holy Spirit, as I was reading the scriptures, whispered to me this to my heart. He said, Steve, what you've been going through is a test. And even though it's been unpleasant, tearful, wounding, eviscerating, I allowed it to come your way. Because I'm preparing you for other things. Please write this point down. Testing precedes promotion. If you bail on the test, you will never get promoted. Never will. Say the verse with me we just read earlier, please. In the wilderness, he fed you manna that he might humble you, that he might test you to do good for you in the end. And so what he's saying to me was, Steve, you're going to bail on the test? You're going to fail the test? You're going to leave the classroom? Or will you trust me enough not to leave the classroom? And I said, yes, Lord. I will see the test through. Now here's something else about thrivers that's important. Thrivers know their now, everyone say now, is not their next. Get that? Your now is not as important as what's next. Because the desert that you're in, the wilderness, it's a temporary deal. It's temporary. It's not your permanent home. The goal is, the scriptural mandate is, we need to pass through it. By the way, what I've studied this week have helped me understand the 23rd Psalm. Even though we all, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, disappointment, heartache, loss, mistakes. I have to walk through it, not camp in it, not build a house or buy a mobile home or buy a bunch of t-shirts or establish a ministry. No, I need to walk through it. 
Because I will fear no evil. Why? Because he promises, Steve, I'll be right with you to walk you through it. And my rod and staff, rod is to protect you from enemies. Staff is to rescue sheep. Protection and rescue. I'm with you, Steve. You and I got this. Now, if you wonder why I have this picture on the uh, page there, it's because I found out there's no dessert in the desert. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, I'm not a good speller, and I did this outline, and last night I looked at it and went, ah! Instead of desert, I had dessert all the way through it. (laughs) My wife reads everything. Even my spell check said to me sometimes, what an idiot. (laughs) Do you not know anything? By the way, there's no pecan pie in the desert anyway. There's just a bunch of oatmeal. So, And here's something else. Uh, worship team, would you guys come on up? Thrivers. Do you want to be a thriver? Hold your hand up. You want to be a thriver? Thrivers, try hard not to complain about the journey or how they've been treated or who rejected them. They try hard not to wallow in their circumstances. Why? Because if I wallow, if I spend hours and hours talking about my pain, guess what? I just lost my focus and I'm trapped. Because what you talk about is what you will become. So the enemy uses, I call it unhealthy regret. Unhealthy regret is the stuff that just stays and stays because of my sin, I got fired, I had an affair, uh, I got divorced, uh, I got addicted to pain pills, uh, whatever it is, you can't stay in that. You have to confess it and walk out of it. If you don't confess it and you live in that remorse, you will get locked up in it. And that regret will become you and you will be trapped again. Well, what do I focus on? Here's what you focus on. Focus on what God has done for you. That somebody sent those people to help you. That you have friends, that you have job, that you have talent. That God has been good to you and you focus on what he will do for you because of the promises of God not my failures I want to focus on that and here's another thing gratitude will fuel your hope what do you mean why don't you try something tomorrow get a cup of coffee read the bible a couple of chapters See if you can sit or walk or drive and for one hour think of how many things you're grateful for. In everything, give thanks. Not for the pain, but because God's got me and I'm going to get through this. Now, here's the last thing I'm going to say, and I'm not smart enough to figure this out. No matter what you've lost, and some of you have, some of you watching online have lost a lot this year. This has been the hardest year of your life. 
But no matter what you lost, it doesn't compare with finding the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like the pearl of great price. That merchant saw that beautiful shaped pearl and he sold everything he had because he knew he'd be rich forever because of this one purchase. Now let's close this time in prayer. We're going to worship with one more song and then the services will be over. I just want to tell you, you're here today because somebody loves you. And he's cheering for you. And he will help you down that road if you let him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to come back to the Lord, if you need to confess him as your Savior, maybe you're watching in another country or in another city, but right where you sit, you can pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, I've kind of messed up my life. I'm broken, I'm empty, I'm wounded, and I'm stuck. Please forgive me for every sin and wash me clean. Be my Savior and Lord today. Give me a home in heaven because I give you whatever I have left and put it in your hands. Make me your child today. In Jesus' name, amen. And during this last song, worship, listen. You can come to the altar and put your face on these steps and do business with God. But let's encounter him during this last song.
know the best answer to every problem is to surrender and, and put it in the Lord's hand and do what he asks you. He would all, not only meet you halfway, he will meet you all the way. Just let go. Lord, thank you for this time. And uh, I just ask, release your healing power in this room today. Release your restoration work. And Lord, release uh, revelation of what you're saying in Jesus' name. Amen. If someone's got a problem with their throat, come down and let some of us pray with you. There's people here that will pray for you and visit with you. Rest of us slip out quietly. God bless you. Oh, mm-hmm.